0: Evie and I are, are both reasonably squeamish, and just hearing you say, break my collarbone, and then race through a week later, I was like, 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 I like feel the pain in my own body.
1: Welcome
2: to sports the podcast about women and those who identify as women working in the sports industry.
0: This podcast series is a collection of conversations with women discussing their experience with sport and the challenges females face. We're your hosts Evie and Jess, self-proclaimed part-time pundits who are big sports fans. In this episode, we chat with motorcycle racer Aishwarya Pissé, winner of the FIM Badger Rally World Cup, six times national road racing and rally champion, and first ever Indian athlete to win a motorsport world title on motorcycles. Aishwarya talks to us about breaking down gender stereotypes, working on her mental resilience and her long-term career goals.
1: For me, motorsports was not something that I really dreamt of as, uh, you know, that I wanted to do when I was a kid. Uh, But motorsport was something that started very late in my life when I was 18. Um, I started riding motorcycles at the age of 18 because uh, in india i come from a very conservative family where doing anything apart from a 9 to 5 job uh, is a taboo so uh, to do anything out of the box was something that was unheard of in 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 my circle so when i started riding motorcycles at the age of 18 um, it was a new it, w- it was a new complete area for me and an area of racing that exists that i could explore
0: i mean like i can't believe you've I've been riding such a short time and now like I was looking online and there's like a whole list of awards you've won in this period of such a short time like when you you know decided to start racing and kind of take it from like a hobby did it feel like you know a very kind of like sudden change was things coming out fast you'd started riding for fun and then suddenly you're in you're in a racing academy you're starting races and not only are you just starting to race, you're, you're starting to win and you're like making podiums quite early. Was there like a pinch me moment where you were like, wow, what, where am I
1: going? Well, definitely, you know, winning things was something that came later. Uh, when I got into training with Apex Racing Academy, the whole idea behind starting training for racing was the fact that I had a buck for speed and to, to not ride faster on the streets and be unsafe for myself, which would be unsafe for me as well as others. Um, One of my friends suggested that I should try out racing and figure out, you know, if if that would interest me because I really love speed. Um, And when I started training and racing, it took me at least about a year, year and a half to kind of get to where I wanted to be. And even when I went to my first race, I did not do too well. So I think when I didn't do too well at my first race is when I realized that I had to uh, work a lot more because it gave me a reality check of where I stood. And what I had to look uh, look forward to, to be able to win the race and not just finish the race. I think that's when I started training with my coach. With uh, His name is Jeeva. He's from Apex Racing Academy. And um, he helped me change my entire training program into a format where we rode every weekend after that race. Uh, and then my physical regime changed. And that's pretty much um, how I started winning races after but the beginning was definitely hard the beginning i failed a lot more before i started to win or started to do better
2: ashwarya just in terms of the academy were you the only girl there or was it mixed
1: uh, well there mostly it was just the boys so i was mostly the only girl training there with them uh, but that actually didn't make a difference it actually worked for my advantage because i wasn't treated any differently because i was a girl riding there Uh, But I was treated as any other athlete or any other uh, student that was out there. So I was given, I was taught the same way they would teach the boys too. So which was something that, which is where I think um, the first year that I raced too, I was racing with the boys. I I wasn't racing with the the women. Only after a few years when there were championships that came in with um, women-centric races, that's when I started participating in it. But uh, in the academy, the first few years, I was riding and racing with the boys.
2: (laughs) Nice. I like it.
1: And I would just wonder,
2: you say you found motorsport when you were 18. What was it that kind of sparked your interest?
1: My interest was sparked due to the fact that I could drive motorcycles with my girlfriends over weekends. That is how riding motorcycles started for me. But when I started riding with them, um, I explored that, you know, I had this buck for speed and I wanted to do more with it. And there was an avenue in India where I could explore uh, racing.
0: I was reading looking at kind of the seasons and the circuits, and there's still quite a mix of, you know, like mixed competitions. So you still race against men. And then there are some also like some women only competitions, as you say, they've started to come in more. And one of the interesting things I just wondered you know the things that you share on social media is so interesting about prepping for a race and having your bike checked and everything like that and I just wanted to in each of these videos and the clips that I've seen online and, and when I watch MotoGP even on, on the TV here in the UK it's almost consistently men you know some pictures that I've seen of you you're like the only girl in the photo and that's just not on the podium that's like all the people stood around like watching this event and does being a woman ever feel really like stand out and obvious in these groups how how do the other competitors treat you and how do the other people um, kind of the other men working and having roles how, how are you treated by the for these people when you're kind of often one of either the only one or, or one of very few women present
1: well, I think the first few years that I started racing, um, I was like you rightly said, I used to be one of the only girls out there. Um, it was a completely different feeling because in the first few years, the peers were asking me to probably just you know pick it up as a weekend hobby. Um, probably told me about you know the injuries that it may cause and you know the scars that it might leave behind. And how it could probably probably be something that I would not cherish after a few years. So these were the kind of things that I was told in the beginning. But then over a period of time, um, being able to do more and getting faster and better and competing with them more often and being able to be in top ten uh, in the recent races, I think it's it's made a it's made a it's it's a huge change that's coming due to my performance and everything. That today, each one of those people, each one of those men or women, everybody speaks to me in a fashion where um, it's more uh, respectful. Everybody respects me for what I do. So I think that's how it's evolved over a period of time.
0: I think your um, awards cabinet and track record probably speaks for itself in regards to that respect was, was certainly coming. Even as you say, you know, it took a year, 18 months to get to a point where you'd had a regime where you feel like you could, you could start competing for winning rather than just competing to to finish the race as you say but yeah my goodness i am um, i was looking at the uh, fmsci awards which they they hold every year and um it was interesting there was there was one article that was talking about um in 2019 there was three women who received outstanding achievement awards including yourself and this article then went on to say you know this is really demonstrating how much the participation level is rising in India and, and women feel confident that this is this is a place for them now as well and, and they can start competing and I think from that um, the FMSEI have started programs for girls you know like age 8 to 12 and there's girls track days and I think it's called um, Dare to be Different and like some programs like that and I just wondered what whether you've seen kind of these programs in practice and how you think that's also going to change the landscape of, of motorsports in india in regards to do you think you're going to only this is only going to grow for girls and women
1: um well i believe that when i started racing there was not such avenues that i could look up to to you know um have a pathway or like a training schedule for me to be able to uh, work on but with fmsci creating these um programs at the grassroots level where the most commonest Person could access it, and uh, or even an aspiring person can access it. I think it's kind of uh, educating a lot more people about motorsport, motorsports, motorsports, um, and it's helping bring in more women to the sport, bring in more young kids and uh, girls into the sport, which which I think is really helping the sport evolve from where it was four years ago to where it is today.
2: be interested to know Ashwarya in terms of your family and friends what they first thought about motorsport maybe when you first entered it and then when you started winning has their
1: opinions and thoughts changed? Uh, definitely because I think the first few years that I was racing um, it was not something that I, I, I was still doing it as a private year where I was finding my own sponsors and figuring out how I would um, make ends meet at every race but when I signed up with TVS Racing in 2017, after winning a few championships in 2016, I believe it kind of changed the um, whole idea for my family to look at it from a different perspective where it's not just something that I was doing and burning money off, but it was also something that I could train. There was a team that would back me for what I'm doing. And that um, and, and it also, TVS, made, signing with TVS also made it my career like my career was to be able to train full-time to be able to race full-time which is something that I was I was doing before as well but this gave it more credibility and which is why uh, ever since that has happened things have definitely been much more easier at home to convince them about things
2: yeah and I just noticed on the back of that kind of I was watching a few videos around your uh, training regime and I just wanted to know um how how's mm-hmm. that benefited you? Kind of being in the gym more, and how often do you do that?
1: I think um, my secret to success has essentially been being able to train uh, every single day ever since I have started racing. And um, the short, you know, a lot. Of, even even when we started this conversation, um, Jessica said that I've reached this point in a very short period of time. But it's essentially because I've put in so much time, which includes a lot of physical training, mental training, a lot of ride time. And I think uh, these are the three categories that my training is spread uh, across, where I spend uh, four days a week at the gym, where I work on physical fitness and mental fitness. Um, um, and the physical fitness essentially has a lot of uh, functional fitness, along with um, more endurance training. Then with my mental fitness, I do a lot of meditation, a lot of visualization, which I could replicate race situations to be able to work on it with my coach. Um, and over the weekend I go riding for about three days so this is how I train and that has been the secret behind my success. That of course is
0: a busy regime which <laughs> makes sense if that's enabled you to be so successful and i was just thinking you know hearing you talk about how much TVS has, has made this your career which is which is fantastic um, and also combining that with these uh, programs that are trying to encourage young girls and young girls from kind of every socioeconomic background you know it, it's for everyone how do those two fit together if it, if we've got a, a young girl who's interested in kind of taking this further what well, how does the cost implications come in because you know training seven days a week both um, physical fitness mental fitness riding even just down to the bike maintenance and fuel, like how expensive is it? And how did you do that before you were signed to TVS in 2017?
1: Before I signed up with the, uh, TVS in 2017, it was not as full-fledged as it, it became once I signed up with TVS because um, what TVS did is that they took over all these, they actually put in a program that I could follow, which kind of helped me change my entire routine. And what they do is facilitate us um by helping us they sponsor our races they sponsor our training so that's pretty much how you know um our work is technically to train every day and that that's why i called it my career when i said signing with tvs turned it uh to my career because i could train every day and being with them helped me do that every day so i think uh that's how i've been able to do it but before that um i was just uh being sponsored by the gym that i would go to or um get whatever support i could from any place and that's how i did it but for somebody who wants to get into it and wants to do it full-time i believe there goes in a lot of hard work just as it was to me uh i believe that we'd have to do a few races and through ourselves before we could get a team like tbs to sign us on and help us with uh, um with everything else i think um that's 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 how that's how they could approach it
0: and how much uh, does it cost to enter each race? And, and so say per race, is there, is there an entry fee? And then how much work do you have to do on a bike after a race? Uh, you know, is it, is it quite damaged? Does it have to have a lot of
1: work done? What, how does that kind of process work? Uh, we don't drop the bike, then that's that much less work on the bike for us to uh, probably fix it. But otherwise, a basic general uh, service is required before every race. The costs that go into it is definitely uh, the team that we were racing with. As a privateer, when I was racing with Apex, there was a team cost. Um, There was a cost to enter the race. There was a cost to uh, uh, there was all the traveling costs. And then um, I think these were these were the most essential costs that were expensive at the time. To be able to fund all these things by myself was definitely something that was difficult. But how I managed to do it was that. The first race, um, when I win a race, I put the same money back into the next race to be able to race that race. And when I win that race, I put the same money back into the next race. So when I was a privateer, that's, that's how I got to um, racing every weekend or every race that happened in the year.
2: I just kind of wanted to come back to the gender disparity within kind of motor racing and just wanted to ask you, is there a pressure when you say you win being like maybe the only lady is there a pressure to maybe win more convincingly than it than there would be if you're a male
1: I think for me um what matters is the fact that the amount of hard work that went into winning the world championship the amount of training the amount of effort sweat tears and I think a lot of things that went to it, went into it because to me, when I planned uh, the World Championship was when I went in 2018 for my first Baja, And I had an accident and I had to stay in the hospital for one month. And I think that's when I started planning forward to be at the 2019 Baja. So uh, winning the World Championship from there was the biggest achievement for me. And when I race, it's basically uh, me and my team, we put together a calendar. We put together our goals so that we achieve them one at a time. And when we meet all of these things, I believe the society and everybody always has something to say. There's nothing I can change about it. So I I can, all I can do is focus on those goals that we've set and achieve them one at a time. And I believe there's no better way to tackle the fact that society and people have something to say.
0: I think your mental resilience and your focus, I can feel it from here. Like I can so tell how, you know, how much you want it, but not from kind of a, Superficial sense, but like you know you 're good and and you know you 've worked hard to kind of deserve that win, and that that 's what you 're going to strive for and it it's so fantastic to to see being hospital for a month. my goodness, that uh, your mental uh, strength must have really come in during that time. I can imagine that's you know we 've spoken to a number of athletes that always say that injury is one of the darkest times in sport and it, and, it, and, it, and it and it can become quite a lonely place if you 're not in your normal routine and with your team and 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 your kind of your peers that you compete with I just wanted you know if you wanted to talk a little bit more about that and what it was that was it that planning and that concentrating on the future and what you would do when you were fit again was that what got you through that period
1: um so ever since I started racing um the accident that happened in 2018 was my second accident the first one was when I broke my collarbone so when I broke the collarbone, there was, there was this pattern that I followed that was to focus on the goal that I wanted to, uh, wanted to do and not about the injury as much, which helped me really bounce back from the injury faster and kept me, in a, kept me in a positive state of mind to look at the brighter side of the picture. And what also helped me get out of that was having the right people around me, having the team, having my coach motivate me to you know, be able to do more. Uh, At the time that I broke my collarbone, a week later, I had a race. So, what I did then was something that really, really uh, stuck by me at that point, and which is what I used even in 2019. Because when I broke my collarbone, I had the surgery within the next few hours. And about three days later, I had started my physiotherapy. And about uh, a week later, I was racing and I won the championship that year in 2017. So, which is why um, I believe accidents accidents have just made me stronger and that incident really gave me a idea as to how i could cope with uh, whatever would come my way and especially when i had the accident in 2018 it was probably the longest i've stayed in the hospital or it's the longest that i've not been able to walk or do do things so it was definitely the darkest hour of my life but i believe i pulled myself out by looking at um, the goals that i set with my coach Jody. And uh, we started planning forward towards what we wanted to do, how we would cope on uh, rehabilitation when we get out, how how would we start training and everything. So and I think that's what really helped me get out of my um, darkest hour, I would say.
2: In terms of the racing calendar this year, how much has it been affected by coronavirus? Is the next race soon? What's the kind of state of play at the minute?
1: Um, At this point in time, my races were to commence in March. But unfortunately, due to COVID, half the season's pretty much wiped out. And there are a few races that have started uh, from last week. But I haven't been able to uh, travel due to the visa restrictions we have back here in India. Um, I believe that that has completely wiped out my entire calendar for the year 2020. Uh, but I'm still being hopeful for the next three months that we have, uh, I would be able to travel and see if I could race any races, but ideally due to the COVID, most of it has been wiped out.
2: And in terms of races, when you get there, how many laps do you do? Do you have pit stops? How does it all kind of work?
1: I do. Um, I specialize in two types of racing. One is the road racing that we were speaking about, uh, which I started with Apex Racing Academy. Uh, when I when I started racing road racing, I started also rallying at the time. Rallying essentially is a format of racing which happens in um, forests, deserts, um, in, in pretty much no man's land, and it's more of a endurance kind of uh, format where we ride at least 300-400 kilometers a day and there are races that go on up until five days where we ride 300-400 kilometers a day and that's what a rally is and the world championship as well uh, was a rally race which is a two-day format it was the Baha format where we ride uh, about roughly 800-1000 kilometers over two days so that's, uh, those are the two kind of races that I do um with respect to rallies what happens is uh we we cannot service the bike in between the stage in between say a 300 400 kilometer stage but however what we we do is that before we start uh the race uh that's before we put the bike inside the park we are allowed to work on the bike as much as we need to and at the end of the day when we come back into the uh pit which is like our area to be we can fix the bike they give us like an hour of one hour to fix it we have to fix it in you know, put it back into uh, an area called the path army where nobody can work on it until the next day. And are there
0: other rules with it? So is there certain rules where you could be disqualified or, or, or anything like that?
1: I think they wouldn't let us start without wearing the right safety gear, the right helmet, the right um, armor and everything. I think that's one thing that none of us are allowed to race without. And if we are caught probably not wearing any one of those safety gear, then probably we get a penalty or we're disqualified.
2: And just in terms of your kind of pre-race routine, what does that look like?
1: Two hours before the race, I stopped speaking to anybody. <laughs> or rather, I just put my headphones on and I make sure that I eat my food. I am uh, well fed and then I sit and visualize. That's something I've been doing probably from the first race. And that is something that has helped me even till date. Because if I can do it in my mind, I can definitely, definitely do it at the race or at the track. So um, visualizing and getting on the bike. In
2: terms of the international events, where do they tend to be? Is there kind of levels of international events? Where do they tend to be hosted?
1: So there are different kind of world championships. Uh, like I spoke about, there is something called a road racing rally. In rally alone, there are different levels, such as uh, what I did was the Baja race, which is a two-day format race um there is a five-day format race which is like um it's called the cross-country rally it's about say 300 400 kilometers over five days and the longest format of racing is the 14-day race which is the Dhaka rally it happens over 14 days of you know each rider riding at least roughly 500 to 800 kilometers every day so i believe these are the three formats of rally racing that exist internationally that I want to be participating at or I have started participating at and my end goal is to be at Dakar one day. In regards to
0: competing in the Dakar how do you qualify? Is it a case of a certain amount of uh, money? You have to have done x number of races to, to demonstrate you've got enough experience. How do you How were you able to participate in that race?
1: I believe you need to win a few championships or finish a few races. And as of now, I qualify to be at Dakar because I won the world championship last year. I actually won two world championships last year. One was with the women. I came first. And with the boys um, in the juniors category, I finished second in the overall championship. So ideally, since I've won these two, I qualify to be at Dakar.
0: Now we just need a coronavirus to be contained and we can... (laughs) we can then be setting our sights on the next one.
1: Yeah, definitely. I look forward to uh, training more because the Dakar is like the Olympics of off-road racing and uh, considering that it puts the man and the machine and the team to test after each day you're so tired uh, and to be able to wake up early every day and do the same thing for 14 days isn't an easy thing and which is why uh, the training that I have right now isn't enough to be able to be there which is what... I was looking forward to this year to train on more, but I think I'd have to wait till the COVID disappears, like you said, to be able to resume and start training more to be able to get there.
2: Are there many Indian athletes competing at an international level? Uh,
1: we have about three Indians who've gone to Dakar up until today, uh, and all the three are men. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, Arvind KP, Harit Novas, CS Santosh. All of these people are, are the only three people who've gone to Dakar from India. Um, so yeah, the, the the participation in terms of uh, at the is very very low uh, from India, but uh, over time it has been evolving. So I hope to be there too soon.
0: Earlier you talked about the injury and kind of how you how you learned from that and what you took away from that. I just wondered whether um in your racing career so far there's been any challenging times that you've you felt you've encountered those challenges because you are a woman in the, in the position that you are. What what has been the most challenging thing in your racing career so far in this part of the sports industry?
1: I think being a woman and wanting to do something in an unconventional sport has brought in a lot of naysayers my way. Um, a lot of people who didn't believe in my dream. And I think um, that was one of the challenges that I faced initially, and I do face once a while even today, but I think each one of these times, um, what I've told myself is that what I need to, uh, what is my goal and what I need to focus on. And I have a set number of people uh, being by me with these decisions and uh, and I just focus on these things. Even today, even after winning the world championship, I still do have people um, who think, you know, I have ambitious goals or like, um, there are naysayers, but. That that I believe anybody, uh, any woman wanting to do anything in an unconventional sport faces that quite a lot.
2: I just wanted to ask Aishwarya around social media and how you found. Has it helped promote your career? Has there been any kind of downsides to social media?
1: Well, I think everything has its own pros and cons, um, and social media. Um, it's. I would say it's a twenty percent. Um, it plays 20% role in terms of helping me in any way but um, essentially what really matters is the amount of time that I put on my bike training and my performance at a race um, that really makes a difference to the sponsors or um, that are on board supporting the races so I believe it's like a 80-20 ratio of how 20% is Instagram and like 80% is training so I believe that that 20% is essential but not, not too much. It's 20% is what importance I'd like to give it.
2: You're a lot more stricter than I am when it comes to Instagram, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, vicious, um, or rather I would say it's an addictive thing. And I, I think each one of us fall prey to it at some point. And probably each one of us noticed it too to kind of get better. And that's that's what I'm working
0: on, too. I think it's, you know, the, the huge growth that social media has had and kind of the increase in access everybody has to each other or particularly to celebrities or, or people of interest. And I guess that comes with, you know, people think that they can, you know, they see videos of you in your house, they see Insta stories of you training, they do this, they do that. You know, sometimes I think people think that's then permission to comment. And with, as you say, with the pros of, Increasing your profile, being able to put things out on a platform of how much TVS supports you or how much, you know, your gym sponsor a couple of years supported you. Continuing to be a brilliant example for young girls also then comes with uh, people who feel like they have permission to to negatively comment. And I guess that is the huge con with with social media, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah, I think think it's something each one of the... uh, Athletes or anybody who has to be able to share these things as a part of their career um, faces, and I think, like you said, you just put it aptly right how it is. And yeah, that's there's not much for me to yeah. add to it.
0: Um, and uh, you know, it's it's worth repeating. I th- I think you are an incredible example to young girls, and everything that you talk about in regards to you know, women in unconventional places the results speak for themselves and and how you work hard and 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 why say anything else to the naysayers other than show your track record and and I just wondered what you personally what are your hopes for the sport for the next generation of of girls and young women and what how do you hope that the what do you hope the industry looks like in in 10 years time say?
1: I think um, I'm hoping for it to be a lot more easier and more accessible and um, that, that's what I'm hoping for it to be able to have like a um, bigger platform and uh, for India to be at par with other nations to be uh, welcoming more riders at a very young age and to nurture them to be able to uh, be the top and to be able to uh, look at this as any other sport and not consider this to be a male dominated sport. And I think that's that's what I look forward to um, being able to have a brighter, better future for more sports.
2: You've made it to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you're the first to know about the new releases. SheSport is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go to find your podcasts.
0: To find out more, please check out the Sport social channels on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening.
2: listening.